comfort zones are most often expanded through discomfort. Discomfort is a catalyst for growth. It makes you yearn for something more. It forces you to change, stretch, and adapt. And 2020 did that for many people in this country due to COVID. One of those individuals is dance school owner and serial entrepreneur, Donisha Wells. While a natural born entrepreneur and a lover of dance, but when COVID caused her to lose her day job, she took her entrepreneur spirit and her love of dance and went full force into building not one, multiple businesses. The future of how business is conducted in the industry of dance could very well be inside the mind of one Donisha Wells. And she's only 21 years old. So let's see how does one turn a love of dance into a business as we talk business with Donisha Wells. Hello, everybody. Once again, I am Kevin Mumphrey, and we're talking business. Today, we're going to get into the industry of dance, and today we'll be talking to Miss Donisha Wells. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Kevin. How about you? I am great. So, where did your love of dance begin? Say it again. Where did your love of dance begin? I think at birth. Honestly, um, I've just always had a passion for it. I've always been good at it. Um, I think it started at the family cookouts. You know how you had cookouts and then you get the elders that tell you they'll give you money to dance. I don't know. We used to have dance battles like as a family and um, it's just always something that's felt good and natural to me. So you was always doing a little bit more than the electric slide because that's kind of my f expertise on dancing. Yeah, like all all the line dances, um, electric slide, wobble, all of that, crumping, majorette was um, my main thing. And now it's adult dance, specifically being twerk and heels. So, like, so the, you said majorette. So you went to majorette like in maybe junior high, high school? Yeah, so um, in high school, I was a part of our dance team, we were halftimers. There was a halftimer team for the basketball team. And then um, I was a majorette dancing during the halftime of the football team. Um, I've never been a community majorette, which I like the dance teams that you see at the community centers that go um, and compete in battle. So I've always been a part of um, the dance teams with schools. And it kind of went from there. I went from dancing in school to um, training under my coach who was over me in school, she kind of just, it went from me performing and dancing to helping and assisting to traveling with her to do those things to me having my own classes. So did you go to like college for this at all? No, I did not. So I am only 21. I currently am not in college. Um, I've danced since I was about 14, only in high school. And then directly under my coach and her team from then on there. She now is an assistant director for a studio in Murfreesboro. Okay, so at what point did you decide to take your love of dance and make it a business? I would say, honestly, 
COVID, right around COVID. So um, I was dancing for a while and I was working at a couple of different studios. I've worked at Misfit Academy, which is like a bachelorette studio down here in Nashville. I've worked at MDC, the franchise Millennium. I've worked at, currently have my classes at Malaylee. I've had them at Construct. So I've been um, to majority of the studios down here in Nashville and I was teaching dance um, as an instructor part-time and I was an acquisition agent full-time. So I sold timeshare um, for Wyndham Vacations and then COVID came around and they fired us completely, like just let us go, um, but I was still dancing. And then they shut down the studios. So when everything opened back up around June, I just decided to um, continue having my classes and to do my own thing outside of the studios. And everything just picked up from there. So when COVID happened, like your your class, that was completely shut down? Yeah, because when COVID happened, they shut down all of the gyms and all of the dance studios fall under that category. So when they shut those down, we weren't allowed to come in. The The businesses weren't allowed to open up. We weren't allowed to have classes. We weren't allowed to have people in any type of gathering or setting. Like everything was completely shut down. And when they opened them back up, um, that's actually how I branched out with my business. So I started having my dance classes. Um, I had them for free to get people to come back out because, of course, people were afraid. Nobody wanted to come out and be next to anybody, let alone dance and be sweating and sharing the same um, air. So I started having my classes for free just to build my clientele back up. And then I started making accessories on the side to make up for the money that I was missing from charging from classes. And then that in itself kind of took off. So I kept... um, I kept making the accessories. I kept having the dance classes. It was more of a um, of a demand. Like I always say, I used to always say that I would never teach heels. I'm like, I'm not teaching heels. There are too many people doing it, blah, 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 blah. And then I had um, my crew, my regulars who come to every class. They were like, you know, Donisha, we want heels. Do you teach heels? And I'm like, no, you can go somewhere else. And they were like, no, we want it from you. Like we only, we only want to go to the class if you're teaching it. So it kind of happened like that with everything under the business, the dance classes, um, the accessories, and everything was doing so good, I just never stopped. And everything is still doing good, and now I'm just scaling and growing. So now um, I do all types of things with dance, um, as far as private sessions, one-on-ones, parties, like private parties, bachelorette parties, birthday parties, graduation, any type of celebration. And then I um, started doing more in different types of genres. So twerk, heels, chair, floor, all things risque and sexy. So, uh, with, I mean, I know Nashville is a growing city as far as population, entertainment, and all that. What is the, what is the market here for dance? So, honestly, it's one of those things that you would never know how big it is unless you were in it. So, I thought that, you know, I'm like, Nashville is not a dancer city until um, I started teaching my own classes. And honestly, the community the community is big. It's bigger than what you would expect. And um, really when you put it into perspective, it makes sense because this is Music City. And of course, if you have music, you have entertainment, you have all of these dancers. Um, so 
the industry was, um, well, market, I should say, bigger than I expected. There are legit over, like, 50 dance studios in the middle Tennessee alone. And I know because I've done um, all of my research and I've worked at half of them. But the market is it's pretty good. I would say I'm happy with the money that I'm making from it. And there are plenty of other instructors down here. Like, there's plenty of instructors who are full-time with just teaching their classes. So it's plenty of um, plenty of people who want to train, and uh, I would say for me it's a little bit easier because Nashville is like the number one bachelorette city, and my classes are kind of niche. So um, hip hop is really big down here, contemporary ballet, jazz, all of that is really big down here, um, and there's a lot of people teaching those things. But twerk, there aren't as many teachers teaching that. So the fact I can name off the back of my head, probably me and three other people who are teaching adult like classes, adult dance classes. So that's what the people want to do when they come down here, the locals and the tourists. So it's a little bit easier for us because um, we kind of developing that stigma, that stereotype. They want to come down here and do something wild and do something fun and do something memorable. So I would say the market is pretty good. So uh, your tour class now Tennessee is in the Bible Belt, so you know people kind of have their feelings or whatever. Did you kind of get any pushback from it at all when you started it? When I first started it, um, plenty. Yeah, people, random people, all the time would tell me, you know, um, you're not gonna get anywhere with that. You have no respect for yourself. You have no values. No one's going to want you and just all of this crazy stuff. But I honestly feel like if you knew how you would, it's fun. Um, I don't let the negative get to me at all. I only think about the positive. I feel like it's um, it's an expression. Like It's just another genre of dance, just like any other genre. Um, the only bad connotation I would put with it is the music, twerk music. It's a little vulgar. It's a, it's a, it's the culture though. Like if you go to New Orleans, bounce music, bounce music is so explicit, and nobody thinks twice about it. It's just, it just is what it is. So I've definitely had a little pushback, and I feel like it'll forever be there. But I don't let it bother me because everyone is gonna have their opinion. Everybody's gonna feel some type of way about what you're doing, whether it's positive or negative. Like you can't please everybody, and I've learned that in business. So I don't make it my mission to try to um, care about people's opinions, honestly, and what they think. Um, I target it to the people who want it, and if you don't want it, it's not for you. That's completely fine. Just stay out of the way. Now the uh, tour class. Now have you done that in like other cities outside of Nashville? Other smaller cities in Nashville, I am looking to branch out um, this next year because I am like revamping my class and the structure of it as a whole. But I know for sure I've probably had a class in Clarksville, Murfreesboro, um, Madison. So just the smaller cities. But I do want to go to other bigger cities like um, Atlanta for sure because twerking is big down there. Obviously, yes. Uh, it would go crazy. I want to um, have a class maybe in L.A. I want to hit those bigger cities up, and I'm going to start next year. Now, um, have, is, can you kind of like practice almost like your curriculum in these smaller cities, smaller towns? Like the process of how I host a class? Yes. 
Um, yeah, because it is a certain way. Um, it, it definitely is. People see me on social media. They see me on Instagram and they see these videos of me doing flips and tricks and stunts and splits and on my head. And um, they're afraid. Twerking is a bit intimidating to some people. So it is. Um, I teach my class a certain way. I have four different parts. In the beginning, we do like a stretch twerkout workout. Um, then I teach them. Workout? Yeah. So it's it's super simple. It sounds yeah it, it, intimidating or I rigorous. didn't think you could stretch while twerking. It's like um, let's say if you were something that we do when we're in a lunge, we just bounce in a lunge. Oh, okay. That is a, it's way simpler than yeah. that. It's it's not bad. You just gotta um. Because okay. in my brain, it was it. way crazy. Huh? The vision I had in my head was way insane. Yeah, it's not that bad. I promise. It always seems like um, I don't know. Nobody ever. Every time someone comes out to the class, they're like, "This is not at all what I expected." But it's super easy. We do um, a twerk stretch in the beginning. I teach them the fundamentals of twerk, like the three different ways to pop. I may show them a trick or two, like cheek isolation, how to make your booty jump or clapping. And then I teach them super simple choreo. And we do a twerk out workout where they kind of just follow the leader. They just follow my lead and keep up. And we dance to fast music for about two and a half music, uh, two and a half minutes all the way out. And then we do a freestyle circle. I always close out with a freestyle circle and I let everybody know, like, you do not have to twerk. You can get in there. You can do the sprinkler. You can do the worm. You do not have to twerk, but just dance. And um, that's how I have all of my classes. Um, We have a good time. We work out. We have fun. I always have liquid motivation, if you know what I mean. Liquid motivation. I like the sound of that. Liquid motivation. Yeah, I always have have drinks there. Now, you also have an application to find classes in other cities. What made you want to do that? Go to other cities? Yeah, uh, your classes or just for other teachers. I wanna um I wanna spread the joy. I wanna spread the love because it's um it's very empowering for women. It's it's just something about doing something that you were taught was wrong. And I can't speak for everybody, but speaking from my experience in the backlash that I did face, um, just like, you know, that's not ladylike, you shouldn't be doing that. It really is empowering when you step into your divine femininity and um just embrace your sexy like i preach to my students that you know your best confidence is um i'm sorry your best feature is your confidence like it doesn't matter um i don't like i'm not gonna say i don't like i prefer beginners to come to my class because you have to start somewhere and i try to let people know that it doesn't matter like your experience in dance does not matter you do not have to be a professional you can come and have never danced today in your life it's not about that it's about how you feel it's about how you feel dancing how you express yourself how you own that how you um do those moves that you've never done before or that make you uncomfortable how to embrace that and walk in that and own that and have fun while doing so and i want to share that I feel like everybody should experience that. Every woman needs to experience that, needs to embody that, needs to know that there are other women who want that experience and want to embody it, and we can all enjoy it together. So how do you go about marketing your, your, yourself? 
Myself? Yes. What do you mean? Because, I mean, you kind of, like, have to sell, like, like your, not yeah, yourself, kind of like your brand. How yeah, you kind of get um, yourself out there to get people to, almost intrigued? At, so a lot of the time it's via social media. Like, I just dance, I'll record it, and I'll post it. Um, word of mouth all the time. Anytime I go out, especially um, if I'm out at, like, a bar or a lounge, girls want to have fun. Like, they just want to dance. They just want to have fun. I always go up to them, and I'm like, hey, you seem like a great dancer, or you're just, like, a pretty girl. You're a vibe. Um, I host classes. I would love to have you. I would love to have you and your energy in there. I would love to um, share what I know with you and for you to bring the next person if y'all just want to have a good time because that's essentially all we do in class. So, Mainly, I post on all of the social medias. I record me doing my thing. Um, and then from there, it's word of mouth. Like, I know for sure I had, um, I met this woman, and she's like one of my top clients, and I love her. I met her at a pop up shop. I was there selling my products, selling my charm bracelets under the brand. Um, and I was just talking, and a lot of people see me and see my my body and they're just like i know you work out like what do you do to have this banging body and i'm like i twerk and they're like what because i'm petite i don't have i don't have the biggest booty i hardly have a booty at all so when they see me and i say that they're like oh okay and then (laughs) they see me dance and they're like oh my god like how do you do that you know how do you do that? So a lot of times they'll see me on Instagram. They'll see the videos of me doing all the tricks and everything. And they're like, I want, I want to try. Like they know they can't do it, but they're like, I want to try. If they see me on my head or something, I'm like, I can get you up to that point, you know, with certain, um, a few classes and a few private sessions of us working one-on-one, but they just see it. And then they come to class and they tell other people about it. They're like, it was a great experience. I know for sure. Um, Lately, I've had a whole bunch of new people coming to my class, and they all said the same thing. They're like, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but I wanted to come, and they love it. They love it every time. They love the energy. They love the workout. They love, um, they love everything about it, and they just tell their friends and bring them. So, like I know, like a, a person of nine to five, when they apply for jobs, they see that part that goes uh, salary. And it's usually for something like, oh, I don't know what to put for salary. But for you being an entrepreneur, you have to price out pretty much all of your services. So how do you go about doing that? So with everything that I offer, with all of my products and my services, I have to take everything into account because um, it is my passion. And this is a hard lesson that I have had to learn as an entrepreneur who is passionate about what they're doing. Like I'm not in the business I'm in the business for money, but that's not my first priority because um, I'm just a strong believer that money will come to me easily. Money is there. Money is just a tool. As long as I'm doing what I love to do and I have the freedom to do that, I'm okay. But I have to take everything into account on the business side because those um, those legalities don't stop. The fees, they do not stop. They are non-stop ongoing. Um, I just take everything into account my time making up the choreography um the space that i'm using how much it costs to get there like gas mileage um the rental fee the videographer um 
and I try to compare my prices. I don't want to charge too much. Like if the average class is $20, I'm not going to go and charge $50. That makes no sense. But I also don't want to have it below the average as well. So I keep it around that range and then put my own twist on it. So what can I offer that no one else is offering? What's going to make them come to my class versus everyone else's? And how is that going to make match the price? And then who is my target audience? What do they do for a living? What do they look like? What do they like? What do they buy? How much do you think they would pay for this class? So I always get feedback and I believe in the strategy give, 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 ask. So I always have um, giveaways or a free class. Like I have an event this Saturday, completely free. I'm gonna have vendors there, but the class is free. And then I'll just collect everyone's email and um, the next class around, I'll probably have a discount. Um, so yeah, just taking everything into account, making sure it's worth my while and making sure that I'm giving them what they're coming for and then some so my classes are actually cheap i think so my weekly classes are ten dollars online and in person they are 15 which i think is fair because the average class for um the average price for a dance class now is probably about between 15 and 20 dollars drop-in rate is what they call that um, so I'll have the classes super cheap. You can come. It's the same thing. Every class may be different choreo, but you're getting those four things. You're getting your stretch. You're getting slight choreo. You're getting the workout part and then just a good time at the end. Now, for those who actually want to learn the tricks, they want that one-on-one -on -one work. Like, okay, I need you to work with me. I need you to show me by myself, not with all of the other girls. I need that one-on-one -on -one attention and focus. Then I offer them a private session. Now my private session, the class is $10, but the private session is 110 because it's a little longer. It's longer than an hour. It's just me and that person. And we are, we're really working one-on-one. -on -one. Like I'm going to show you, I'm going to analyze your body type, your ability, your flexibility, your mobility, and then work with you from there, if that makes sense. So um, that's how I price everything out. My classes, have them on the low end, and then that one-on-one -on -one work, that private work, or those parties, most of them are all-inclusive. So all you have to do is show up and I cover the rest of the fees and I just put that in there and um, put my right on there for my time and everything that I need to make sure that I'm straight. And then collaborations, always collaborating with others who have platforms or um, groups so that I don't have to text because I don't want to bust anybody's head to have a good time. I feel like you should be able to do that on your own. You shouldn't have to, um, you shouldn't have to pay a bunch of money to enjoy yourself and to feel good and to build your confidence. So I don't want to be the person who is charging X amount of dollars just to have a good time, just to learn to love yourself, just to um, be around other women who want to do the same. Now, you have a virtual, you do virtual classes, right? I do not, but I will be adding those next year as well. So this year... Um, this year, I'm closing out doing things a little differently because I am trying to merge my businesses and make them all one. So I'm changing up my processes just a little bit. So I'm kind of just finishing off this year strong. And then next year, 
taking it to the next level because next month, well, not next month, November, that is next month. Next month, I would have been in business legally for a full year, and I'm just so happy that I made it during a pandemic. Congratulations. Thank you. With no red, no backdraws, like I've been in profit the whole year. It's definitely been crazy. Um, I learned my lessons, and now I'm just planning for the next year how I want to do things, how I want to change things to really push my business to the next level, how I want to structure it, what do I want to take away and add. So now I'm just getting feedback from everybody, um, like all of my students, any events that I've done or any classes that I've done, anyone that I've collaborated with, like, hey, what did you think of this? What could I do better? What do y'all want me taking into account? What did I like? What do I want to change? And moving forward. So virtual sounded like the best thing. It was good when COVID was um, at a peak and everybody was locked in. But then when people started going back outside, numbers dropped um, and it just wasn't worth it anymore. But I do want to bring it back with me and my growing platform. I do want to reach other people in the cities that I want to go to before I get there. Now, during COVID, you've heard a lot about businesses having to shut down or losing workers. You don't hear much about businesses that started up during a pandemic. So, like, what kind? Like, what? What was kind of the process or the adventure of sorts of starting a business? <laughs> doing basically a historic time in this world yeah so for the businesses that start up i'm not gonna lie COVID was COVID was good to me it was definitely a wake-up call um it was like everything that i had manifested i got now in the beginning mind you because i was an acquisition agent i was making money for this timeshare company i was i was cool and that was my problem. I was comfortable with my nine to five. And I've always wanted to be, um, not even wanted, I feel like I've always been an entrepreneur. Like I've always known that I was not meant to work for somebody else because it just don't sit right in my heart. It just was not meant to be. There's always something that comes up or there's always a problem. So when COVID first happened, um, I had already had a plan to start my own business, but I wanted to use the money that I got from my nine to five. I was going to stay at this job for three years. Like I had a whole plan, whole little life plan. Um, and Kobe was like, psych, you off the porch, <laughs> you off the porch. And I went into a quick depression. It was like, yeah, the first two months or so, I was just... Um, I was just thinking, like, what am I going to do now? Like, I know what I'm passionate about. I know what I like to do. But there's no more money coming in. And what am I going to do? I just could not figure it out. But um, I pivoted. I took advantage of all of the online courses that were just being given out for free. Everyone was trying to build their online presence. So everyone was having courses on everything, on, like, any topic free credit hours from schools, um, on whatever subjects, tech, um, all type of businesses. Everyone was just having all of these courses and giving out all of this knowledge. And I would grab my computer and just get on social media or check my emails and be like, whose newsletter am I subscribing to today so I could get this freebie, this knowledge, <laughs> this course, like, where am I getting, what am I learning today? And um, I did that for a couple of months. I just 
got online every day, was seeing who was giving away free knowledge, free game, um, business advice, schooling advice. I was meeting up with all type of um, business owners, just simply reaching out to them like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. How could you help me if you're willing to help at all? Um, what advice would you give me? Do you have any suggestions? And I was just like soaking it all in. I have like six notebooks that are like that thick, just full of notes and in my phone I got so many screenshots and screen recordings I was just like a sponge soaking up all of the knowledge until um I formed my own plan so I basically took everything I would um be open to all of the suggestions the feedback the advice and I kind of took all of that and molded my own little plan and um Essentially, I knew what I was passionate about. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I could make money from it because I was good at it. And I knew already having a clientele from the studios that I was working in, it might work. So I took all of that. I put it together. Um, I did have a little money saved up from me being at that job. And I just did it. I just jumped completely off the porch. And it all just ended up working out. I was just blessed thankful i ran into some great people i met so many people um who were like my match that were just as ambitious that were just as serious um and they were just helpful i met so many great people i ended up getting in a store i ended up doing my first popping shop and i just became like a master of networking anybody i seen just sparking up conversation like, hey, what do you do? What's your occupation? This is what I do. This is what I'm trying to do. Oh, where you at? You having this event? I pulled up. I started supporting other people. And in return, they started supporting me. So I showed up for them. They showed up for me. And it was like a domino effect after that. Now, as far as networking, because for entrepreneurs, it's kind of a vital piece of what you all have to do. So how do you network without necessarily being pushy, like networking for something just networking just to be networking so i actually used to be really bad at that because again i was an acquisition agent so i am very salesy at times without even realizing it because um i'm a blunt person i like to get straight to the point like hey what's your name what's your occupation how can you help me but I've learned over the time to just um, to just show up for people. People just want you to show up for them. If nothing else, if I tell you that I'm having an event and I invite you out, it's because I want you to come. So I would just go up to people, introduce myself to them, um, and get them to talk about themselves because people like to talk about themselves. And then in talking about themselves, you listen, pay attention to what they like, what they want to do, what they plan to do, um, and then ask how you can be of assistance. How can I help? How can I support? And then actually do that, like stand on your word. If you say you're gonna come to something, actually show up. And when you go, bring a friend or something, like just show genuine love, show genuine interest in what they're doing. And um, they'll remember you because people necessarily don't remember what you say. They remember how you make them feel. So if I met this random person, if I randomly meet you and I'm like, hey, I'm having this event. Would love for you to come out. You know, it was great talking to you. We have a short 15 second conversation. 
and I walk off and at my event you actually show up I'm gonna be like OMG you actually came like that that makes me feel good that's gonna make me remember you and that in turn is gonna make me um that's gonna like build a relationship and I'm gonna ask you like thank you for coming out what are you doing like now I want to help you I want to support you so, so that is um that's how I did it so like um from what I've researched about you like you said you've always kind of been an entrepreneur but at one point you was working a nine to five. So doing something that basically, I guess is not in your DNA. How, do, how were you able to manage? How was I able to manage? Yes. Yeah, so like balance the two? So you were doing your business while working nine to five as well, right? Yeah, I started off with just the nine to five. So I feel like it's, um, I feel like jobs have levels. It's different levels. I've had over, I've had like 20 jobs in my lifetime like I've had I've worked retail fast food public relation transportation management human resources I've worked in any every industry and um, I've noticed as I've had all of these different jobs I'm curious I ask questions and I read the fine print I am a sticker on rules so um i've realized that a lot of people who implement rules don't follow their own rules and majority of the time they can do that because they're the ones who made the rules so they don't have to follow them but when you're a worker they don't like that if you're a worker questioning the rules that's a problem because they want you to be a worker so they don't want you pushing against the grain so um with each job that i had i never i never tried to downgrade so Fast food was terrible. I just needed <laughs> I just needed the money. I was just there. I'm like, you know, hey, can I take your order? Da, 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 da. It was very, very routine. It was very systematic. It was very sluggish. Um, I didn't like it, but again, I needed the money, so I was willing to do whatever. I just show up, do what I'm told. And then um, with each job, I started reading their SOPs and how they changed and the job descriptions and how they changed and the demographics of the job, like what kind of job from fast food to retail, like, well, what kind of people want fast food? What do those people look like? What kind of people um, want to shop for retail? What do those people look like? What kind of people are in HR um, and transportation? And I just started asking all of these questions to the customers, to the um, the owners or my managers, and that that would stir things up for me just a little bit because you know they want you working they don't want you asking questions they want you working but I feel like as you are an individual going through your human experience um learning figuring yourself out and what you want to do with me wanting knowing that I've was always meant for more a lot of things just did not make sense to me I'm like you know if I'm working this much if I'm working this many hours but I'm doing an excellent job I'm killing everything I'm doing and this person over here is working the same amount of hours but they're doing terrible why are we getting paid the same that didn't sit right with me I'm like I'm good at what I do they're not but we're getting paid the same because we're working the same amount of hours and I would just always ask questions like that and always push against the grain and always challenge authority which always got me in trouble but I was always the best in every job that I've ever had I've never been fired I've always quit and all of my 
managers, we always had like a love-hate relationship. They couldn't fire me because I was always like the top person. But they hated me because they were like, you know, why can't you just do your job? Why, why do you have to make it difficult? But um, with each job that I had, I just, um, I kept asking questions like, okay, if I can make this much money for y'all, I'm sure I can make this much money for me. If I could follow these rules for y'all, if these are the rules that y'all are coming up with, I'm like, you know, I can do that. I know how to do that. So I went from being the bottom worker to the team lead to the manager and so on and so on. And I'm just going above and beyond and looking at these job descriptions. Um, and I'm like, you know, I could do that. And then, you know, meeting the actual CEOs and the owners. And I'm like, okay, so what do you do? Like in your, in your daily life, what do you do other than tell other people what to do? And I'm like, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> so how can I make these jobs, how can I do, take everything that I've learned from these jobs and apply it to me and what I'm doing in my journey and what I want to do with my life. So I feel like that is, um, that's how I got there. Like I've always known, but asking questions and learning how to delegate and find out what I'm good at and what I'm bad at and seeking out, just watching, observing, paying attention, taking note. And after doing all of that, actually applying it to get results. I, I have a feeling I think I'm gonna know the answer for this one, but uh what which industry which job you quit you quit the quickest? The job that I quit the quickest, um it was fast food, it was Jack I in figured the Box. That one. <laughs> You know, I was, um, I used to be, they would always put, they would always put me in, um, the window. Every job would try to make me somehow the face. They're like, you know, you got a nice smile. You're pretty, you're approachable. You're friendly. People will walk up to you and see what you have to say. So they would always put me in the window. I clocked in at Jack in the Box. I knew, I knew I wasn't going to stay there long because I got the job too soon, too fast. They didn't even look at my resume. <laughs> they didn't even interview me. It was like, I applied. They was like, come in for an interview. And I was like, that's fishy. Like, y'all desperate for people? I don't want to work for nobody who desperate for people. Wait a minute. <laughs> and I got in there and he was showing me around and it was dirty and it was roaches, and the people there were funny looking, and eight minutes in, I was like, nope. And he was like, what? Literally, I think I clocked in maybe like four o'clock, four or eight, I was out of there. Turned in uniform, <laughs> didn't even sign the papers. I was like, don't even worry about like the eight cent check. Don't, don't worry. I'm cool. <laughs> I was going to ask about the check, because I mean, the paper's worth more than what you're getting. So I don't it wasn't even like they didn't even send me. They couldn't send me a W two or anything. Like I didn't stay there long enough. <laughs> so out of all these industries that you work, and it sounds like you've picked up something out of all of these. So what would you say you've learned from these industries that kind of you took in, and far as made yourself a leader? Understanding and learning, um, the type of the environment, the culture the type of people you're working with and how to work with them. Like if I have, if I have Annie over here and I have Joseph over here and Annie has a strong personality and Joseph has a strong personality, I probably wouldn't put them two together because a lot of times strong personalities clash and you want to have balance. And I've watched 
time and time and time so many turnover rates on how that can affect the workplace so I've definitely like I'm real observant in any environment especially a work environment because I feel like my time is precious so if I'm going to be here between four and eight hours a day I got to peep it out like I need to I need to see some stuff and I need to be okay with what I'm seeing and what I'm going to be going through and who I'm going to be working with and a lot of times I feel like a lot of jobs have a high turnover rate because um, either the leaders don't know how to effectively communicate with their workers um, because there's different styles of leading a lot of times it's just communication Um, They don't understand their workers, their employees, and there needs to be a mutual understanding of the owner knowing, being aware of, and um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. But knowing that you need the workers just as much as the workers need you. So just as much as that worker who's clocking in needs that money, you need them there to work and approaching it that way versus um a violent hostile authoritative form instead of being like oh you need to clock in and do this be like hey thank you for being here for me this is what we have to do today uh, and I feel like that was one of the biggest lessons like you want to make people feel like you're in it with them Again, it goes back to how you make a person feel because that is what they will remember. Not what you're telling them, not all the promises. They're going to remember how you made them feel. Same with customer service. Anything that you're doing, people will always remember how you made them feel. So with being an entrepreneur, I mean, you're the face, you're the lead, you are, you are, the, you are the brand, but you're also a human. So how do you kind of balance being Donisha Wells, the entrepreneur, and then just being Donisha? It is so hard. It is so hard. I struggle with it to this day. Um, All of my friends say I have no friends, but they are my friends. Like My clients are my friends. The people that I work with, my partners, are my friends, but they say I have no social life. And um, it's, it's really hard to find, uh, it's a thin line between the two because I am the business. I'm like, this is what I enjoy to do. They're like, you know, why don't you go out? Why don't you hit the club? I'm like, I, I hit the club every Monday night in class. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I'm doing everything that I want to do, anything that I would want to do um, as a regular person, I can do in my business. I'm like, you know, I'm crafty. I'm creative. I like to make things. I make accessories. That's fun to me. I like organizing documents. I like looking over contracts and typing up new documents. That's what I enjoy to do. Um, And I like thrilling adventures. I like to eat, but I would much rather be eating, having a meeting across from somebody. So I um, I don't feel like there is a difference, honestly. I think that I am the business. Business is me. I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. Um, the only difference is sometimes I make money from it. Sometimes I don't. So it sounds like you've taken all your likes and interests and it, or at least have attempted to take, put them all into something that makes you money. 
Absolutely. Everything needs to be a stream of income. You can never have too much money in the world that we live in. I try. I try to everything that I'm doing, if I can make money from it, which I'm positive in the 21st century, I can. I will. Now, is that like something you've purposely done or this just kind of how your mind works? When you do something, you just kind of automatically think, how can I get generate revenue from it? A little bit of both. Like sometimes I just do stuff just to do it. And then somebody comes up and they're like, um, oh, how much do you charge? And I'm like, well, I um, I didn't I wasn't charging anything. But, you know, if you want to pay me, that's <laughs> fine, too. And then sometimes um, sometimes I'm doing stuff in hopes of getting some more money. Like, okay, what can I do to make some money? Let me backtrack. Let me step back. What am I good at? What do I like to do so that I can make sure um, it's going to be good work? Because if I don't like to do it, um, and I feel like this is a lot of people, if you're not passionate about it or if you don't want to do it, you're not going to do a good job at it because you don't really want to. So it's never going to match that 100%. And um, whatever that looks like, I'm thinking of how to flip it because in my head, I want to be the top 1%. Like, there's so much money in the world. Money is just a tool. I feel like we all have these ideas, and it's just a matter of figuring out how to get it out. How are you going to make money from that? How are you going to make that work? Because there's somebody who wants what you have. And when I say that, there's somebody who wants exactly what you as an individual have. Again, going to that demand, people want things specifically from you. Or you know how they're saying, um, you know how they say, two people could be telling you the same thing, but you only understand it from one. Like it only clicks when somebody else different tells you. I feel like it's the same way in business. No matter what you're going in business for, no matter what you're passionate about, no matter what you're doing, somebody... Somebody out there in the world of over 7 billion people, they want it, and they probably won't get it unless it's from you. So I think it's definitely a mindset. I think wealth is a mindset. You can make money from whatever. I feel like, I mean, you see they sell paper clips for thousands of dollars, and I'm just like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I'm in the wrong industry because I need to get it together. So, yeah, it's definitely a mindset that I have. So as we wrap this up, when it's like you're like you're 21 years old and you have an ex- success that people twice your age don't have. So where do you see 40 year old Dinesha Wells? How do you see yourself in 20 years? 40 year old me is going to be somewhere on a yacht, somewhere in space. I don't know, but I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be so wealthy. Mark my words. I'm going to come back and watch this and be like, I knew it. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like the only difference between me and the next person, like me and Jeff Bezos, is opportunity, like networking opportunities, experience, meeting people, um, systems, operations, delegating, because we all have these amazing ideas. We all, um, we all have these ideas that can make us money. Again, it's just a matter of getting it out. How are you going to get the money? How do you want to price that? Who are you going to give it to? And once you figure all of that out and once you make it most convenient for you and then you have that freedom to where you can free up your time to do whatever you want to do and then you're doing what you want to do because you want to, not because you have to, you're there. And after that, you just 
mass produce it, mass market it. So definitely when I'm 40, I could see myself somewhere living life, smiling, having a drink.